Well, I was thinking about November, and there's a lot going on in November. In fact, I looked at the calendar, didn't take long, and we're halfway through this month already. Can you believe that? November is a time for a lot of things, shortened days and longer nights, at least if you counted by sunrise, sunset. And it's colder, isn't it? And rain, well, that can come any time along the way. But did you remember Martin Luther's birthday? November 10, and his baptism birthday, speaking of those on the 11th. November's just full of things. And Veterans Day, we're going to remember that a little bit later too. And of course, Thanksgiving, still looking for and finding many ways to give thanks under the difficulties nonetheless. But November 2, the end of the church year. And we count time a little differently. Next week, being Christ the King. That is how Jesus rules over all and how that's been evident all year long. In November, many churches, stewardship. And those two go together. Christ the King in stewardship. As you and I are talking, well, I'm talking, you're listening, about give it all you've got. Time, your treasure, your talents. Last week it was about time. It was about time. And perhaps you recall what I've learned is that if you ask many people, time is their most, most valuable commodity. And it seems somewhat to be in competition with what so often has seemed to be the most valuable commodity in the hands of people. Treasure, money. Yes, to be sure, they're both valuable. Our time as a gift given us to manage and more than manage and in our managing to invest. And the same can certainly be said about the treasures of God. Treasures, everything that's valuable. And we've all got treasures. We all have them and we count them in many kinds of ways. Something that we value the most and for many, well, for many, and rightly so, one of the great treasures is money. And when I speak today, I want to speak particularly about money, but about those other treasures as well, as did the scripture readings that you heard a few moments ago. Money is often thought to be the most valuable thing. What did somebody once say? Money may not be number one, but it's ahead of whatever is number two which I guess is an admission that in fact it is very, very important. But not only is it important, we need as God's stewards to understand the time that treasure is neutral. Money is neutral. It's neither good nor evil. It, it's sort of, to use an example, like a knife. A knife can be used for good or for evil. You're making supper, you're doing a project at home, a knife is valuable, helpful, and acts well. It's good. On the other hand, I don't have to give examples how a knife can be used for not so good purposes. But it's the same with money. It is without goodness or evilness. It is a medium of exchange. And you know how that worked over history? At least at one point we bartered back and forth. I need my barn painted, so will you do it? Well, sure, what will you give me in return? 
about a side of beef. And there was an exchange of goods and services. And everything kind of worked that way for a long, long time until it became difficult, if not impossible, to give a side of beef or something else of value. We put money and we put a value on those things. And that's what we exchanged. Easier to carry in our wallet than a side of beef. And so money functions for us. It's a tool. It is a tool. Money is not a goal for life. To find it, to accumulate it, at least it shouldn't be a goal, to be sure. But nonetheless, objectively so, money is important. With that said, if money is important, what we do with it is equally important, especially in the eyes of God. We can't live without it. Not in these days, not where we have come, not how we, not as we operate can we do without money. It's necessary. And some people would even call it a necessary evil. But that aside, because it's not fully true, it is not only neutral, but important. Important that Jesus even said one third of his parables about money. He saw it as valuable. He saw it as important. Money as a tool, a tool to use for God's purposes. You want to know how to use it for God's purposes? Look at your checkbook. Look at your credit card statement. Look at how the money goes. And if I look at it, I can tell you what you believe is valuable, what you believe is important. You look at mine, and you can tell exactly the same thing about me, what is important and what we value. And as those things are true, it's also maybe not immediately apparent, but money is a blessing. From the hands of God, it is indeed. If you look at the Old Testament, it comes very sharply into focus. You think of some of the great people of faith, like Abraham, uh, Father Abraham, one of the great patriarchs. Guess what? He was a wealthy man, a very wealthy man. By God's goodness, God blessed him with all those servants, with all that property, with all that cattle. When Abraham had to move, it took a lot. And it took a while. Same is true of Job. As you read the record of his life, as his trials, temptations, and his restoration. His restoration to wealth. Numerous family. Numerous possessions. Job, like David and Solomon, those two as kings, had a great deal of wealth. They saw it as a blessing. It was, by God's hand, a blessing to put to work wisely and well. But at the same time, money can corrupt. A neutral thing can be a blessing by God's hand. Without God's hand and in our hands, it can corrupt. It can get between people and not for the good. It can get between God and people. What did Jesus say? You can't serve two masters. Either you're going to love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Important, of value, but in the hands of us, so often, too often, it becomes something 
that can corrupt. Some people would even say money is the root of all evil. And they will say it thinking they're quoting the Bible. (laughs) But no, not quite. You know what it says, 1 Timothy. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, that is how we treat it, how we value it, who we recognize it comes from or who it's for, that's where the difficulty lies. That money can separate people. It can separate people from God. James chapter 2 talks about wealth as being able to insult and to exploit. Is this the often way that we look at it? Perhaps. It is in the book of James, his letter, that it's made clear, both the positive as in Project 216, putting our faith to work with the wealth of God, but also not so much. Somebody was once asked, how much money is enough? was asked of a rich man. You know what he answered? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more? That's how wealth can be viewed. Or like Gordon Gecko. Remember him? Played by Michael Douglas in the film Wall Street. His famous speech in front of a bunch of shareholders. He turned things upside down in his speech and he said, greed, greed is good. And boy, did that spark a lot of attention in the movie and in the hearts and minds of those who saw it, read about it. Greed is good redefining things like money, greed, well, turned on itself. Jesus said, it's not so good. He said, watch out, be on your guard in Luke chapter 12 against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You heard it. You heard it again. Be on your guard. How we use this gift of God, this gift of treasure. Here's the point. For us Christians, it is how we use money, not a matter of being used by money. For us Christians, it's how to possess it rather than to be possessed by it. It's a matter of faith, you see. It's a matter of the faith perspective in head and in heart and in action. It's a matter of managing what we understand to be from God, belonging to God, all of his wealth, and putting it to work, investing it, as the gospel reading from Matthew you heard, two gospel readings today, but it's clear in God's word through Jesus. It's not ours. The wealth belongs to God. He puts it into our hands to manage, and he even by telling us to invest it, tells us to loosen our grips. Loosen our grips, not to hang on to it just for ourselves, but to loosen our grips, to let it be put to work for him and for all his interests. Clearly, the temptation is to look at God's treasure, think it's ours, and put it to work for us, to spend it, not invest it, to invest it perhaps only for ourselves. Do you remember last week when we talked about time, I quoted Jesus, who was in his ministry asked, what's God's greatest commandment? Do you remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. He put it all together. 
He put love for God and love for neighbor, and he joined them. You can't love, Jesus said. You can't love one without the other. To love God means to love others. To love others for us in faith is to love God, which means to recognize who he is, what he's given, and to put it to work. To focus only on ourselves and investing God's treasures only for ourselves, that's not his will. That's idolatry. That's me first and me only. Certainly we have needs, but we can't get stuck there. We're not called to get stuck only on ourselves. Do we use and invest God's resources for ourselves, our families? Yes, but not only that. That's why Martin Luther said, when he talked about all of this, he said, a person must undergo three conversions as we are converted to Christ. We must undergo the conversion of mind, of heart, and of the purse. Well, that's how he put it, the purse, our wealth. I guess it reminds me of the story of Sam Houston, a man of history. Remember him? He was a senator from the Republic, in those days, the Republic of Texas. He came to faith later in life. And when he was about to be baptized, the pastor who was about to do that encouraged him to take off his glasses. And so he did. The pastor also said, you maybe want to empty your pockets so those papers you've got don't get wet. Oh, yes, and your wallet? You'd better take that out of your back pocket too, lest something get damaged. To which Sam Houston replied, and perhaps with a smile, he said, if there's one important part of me that needs to be baptized, <laughs> it's my wallet. <laughs> it's my wallet, to be sure. So the issue for us is twofold to see money for what it is, what it is and how valuable and where it comes from, and then to invest it, not just use it, not just spend it, to invest it for God's work. No doubt that's what the writer of Proverbs meant as the background when it was written, honor God with your wealth. And in all of this, we're talking about managing, investing God's wealth across the board in all aspects of our lives, what we do individually, as we give to other people, as we give to charities and invest God's treasures there. But we're also talking about here and what God challenges us and gives us opportunity to do. That's where we're called to give. It's important to our understanding of being a manager, a steward, about giving out wealth rather than hanging on to wealth. That it's God's in our possession to manage for him. He gives us that privilege. He gives us that honor. And so we manage out of wealth, not out of poverty, because God is wealthy, because he puts it into our stewardship. And giving, giving. Just think about this. Your, your favorite Bible passage or one of them. God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only son. That's where love started, in giving. In Jesus, gave himself to the world, to us. He gave his life. He gave it. He laid it down so that you and I could live as redeemed children. So the Holy Spirit can whisper in our ears, be like Jesus. Sounds trite? It's not. 
because the Bible also says we are being remade, refashioned into the image of Christ. That's what our life now, having been received by God, is all about as we grow in faith, to be more and more shaped to be like Christ, to give not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why of all the t- things that could have been quoted by Jesus in the book of Acts, you know what was quoted from his lips? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Of all the things Jesus said to be quoted in the book of Acts, that's it. And with those things, even those words, come God's promises. God loves a cheerful giver. The promises to have God break out in a smile as we act as his stewards. Or think of the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 36, and Moses called for an offering, not a tax, but an offering. And the people came to bring their treasures for the building of the tabernacle. You know what happened? Moses finally had to say, stop, stop. We have enough. God's promise came true in what they gave, even out of their abundance. Or as in Matthew's gospel this morning, we read, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. All these ways of investing God's treasures come together here at St. Michael as well as in all of life. They're not limited to St. Michael, but they include our stewardship here. It's what one pastor that I know has called the activation stage of these truths. We hear them, mind, take them to heart, then it's time to act, an activation. Look at your mailbox tomorrow, your email box. Or if you don't have such a tool, look at the hard copy that comes your way in a day or two. It's a statement about how you've been able to give of your treasures, of the treasures God gives you, rightly his treasures over this past year and gives you opportunity, will, to make a faith promise about how you trust in God and propose to be managers of his will this coming year. Then you'll get a chance to return that as a promise of yours. I know these are hard times. I know it because I'm living in them with you. But it's a promise of faith that can be adjusted based on circumstances. Go up, go down, change, whatever. But in faith, we can make a promise. We can do what we are able, what God gives us opportunity to give. So give it all you've got. Oh, oh no. Yes, but no. I don't mean by that give God all your money, because it's not yours, it's his. But that's the, the phrase that is said to athletes, remember? Give it all you've got. You're all in and you go all out. That's how we are stewards of God's gifts. That's what it means from our heart to our head to our lives. The three T's. Give it all you've got. Time, treasure. And next week, let's talk about talents. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.